I, I do hate to interrupt so much good conversation with such an amazing crowd, um, but we have so much, so much good, and so many good things to hear. Um, and, and I'm just going to take a, a moment here for a, a couple quick things. Um, so Jackie, our, our, our chair, um, made it public yesterday that I'm going to be moving from the vice chair role on the board of this fine institution to a, a newly created full-time CEO role. So thank you. And I, no, I, I appreciate it. And not about me, but I do appreciate I've had a ton of outpouring support. So thank you for all of that. I just hope you all continue to come and up your membership and do more. We're, we're going we're gonna to have so much more to do. Uh, we have been so busy. Uh, Amanda is probably not even listening because she's continuing to be so busy. Um, but I'm humbled with everyone's support and, and look forward to what's to come. Um, in fact, we have been so busy doing all of this that last night I, I, uh, my, my wife Kate asked when I was going to see her for more than 10 minutes. Um, I said, how about lunch tomorrow? I said, your boss is going to be there. Mayor Lori's going to be there. How romantic, right? <laughs> so she said, sure. No, no. She's sitting in, in my seat because it was so the room was so full and I couldn't I couldn't bother Amanda one more time with a last minute seating request. So that's that's why I've been wandering around the room. Um, also sitting uh, right there with uh, with our, our wonderful mayor is her wife, Amy Eshelman, great champion for Chicago and the first lady of Chicago. We have so many great people here today. I see uh, so many. I, I, I don't want to start because it, it will go too far, but there's so many incredible people. Uh, know that we appreciate all of your attendance and your support. Um, you know, and uh, very quickly, too, is Amanda, are you here somewhere? Amanda Agassi has kept this club afloat over the last two years. Um, she... She has, this is, this is a 120 year old institution. She's, she has kept it in during obviously the worst times of its history. And what I am so excited about is that she has agreed to stand board and help us move the ship even further forward. So thank you, Amanda. Heartfelt thanks, um, from me, from Jackie, from our board and, and, um, Look at, look at this today. We're back, and uh, we've got a lot more to come. So, um, okay, that's that. Um, before we do hear from today's featured speaker, I will share a little disclaimer that I've shared with many candidates and, and other speakers uh, who, have, who have come before and, and maybe coming in the next couple of weeks. City Club is nonpartisan. We're not biased towards any political party, any candidate or office holder. Uh, that includes local, municipal, county, state, and federal offices. Um, we have a strong history of this, 120 years, and, and remains at the, the center of our ethos. So, so we asked Mayor Lightfoot and others that were running for office, there's an election coming up, apparently, uh, to just respect this institution and guidelines by focusing on their primary goals moving forward, ideas and solutions, uh, which I know she'll be sharing with us shortly. So thank you for that, Mayor. We're so happy to have you here. But 
before you come up, I would like to invite um, here to, to introduce Mayor Lightfoot is another great civic and business leader that we're so lucky to have in Chicago. Uh, he's the CEO of BMO Harris uh, Financial Group, uh, also great partners of the City Club, and has done so much for our great city, uh, serving on all sorts of boards and committees and spearheading one of Mayor Lightfoot's signature initiatives, Invest Southwest. Um, please join me in welcoming Dave Casper. Congratulations, Dan. Congratulations. Uh, I think you could probably get four more tables in here, though, Dan. So. I, uh, I heard about this speech on Monday, and it was I couldn't even get a ticket. Uh, Mayor, you're, you're like Taylor Swift. <laughs> I don't know if that's good, bad, or... Uh, but you got sold out as fast. Uh, I, I actually remember as if it was yesterday. I really do the first time I met the mayor. She would not remember, but it was in a, an event with business people before um, uh, Mayor Emanuel had actually left the uh, stage. And uh, I must say I was intrigued. <laughs> you know, why would a very successful litigator want to be the mayor from a very good firm? Uh, want to be mayor of Chicago, and I assumed it was not the major pay cut that she would take. I uh, doubted it was the prospect of the consistent and unwavering adulation you would get from the Chicago press. <laughs> I, I did remain intrigued, and I was curious. But over the past several years, I've had the pleasure of working with the mayor in a number of different initiatives, and I can honestly say I am no longer intrigued, uh, but I am impressed. I've seen firsthand the mayor's leadership and dedication to expanding the economy and driving inclusive economic growth across the city of Chicago. And to be clear, she is not, she is not by any means the first mayor to make those promises. It is my belief that she has done the best job of keeping them, and there is more to do. Uh, she has worked not just to bring opportunity to uh, neighborhoods and, and so much of what was disinvested, which she has done greatly, but she's also worked to make Chicago a more friendly environment for business. She's done this against an almost impossibly difficult backdrop. Just nine months after taking this on, which at the time I was still wondering why she wanted to do it. Uh, the country was rocked by COVID, as was our city. And shortly thereafter, with uh, what happened with the murder of George Floyd, uh, all the cities, including Chicago, were uh, dealing with uh, the unrest that took place. <clears throat> I don't have to explain to any of you what a challenging time that was for everyone here in Chicago. And through, of all, through all of this, I believe the mayor managed it with a steady hand, and on occasion, a steady fist, <laughs> which I think was probably needed. Mobilizing the various facets of government, she has worked in an amazing way to address the needs of so many of our 
people, our frontline people, as well as the businesses, as we bring businesses back into Chicago, and she has been a leader there as well. And her work wasn't just limited to what the city's COVID response was. She worked very tirelessly with the business community to make sure that we would support our employees and our customers as we brought people back. The result was, and I think many of you would remember this, and many in this room donated to it, the result was Chicago's COVID response fund. Over 100 companies and not-for-profits, including many in this room, came together to expand what we needed at the time to give people money, to give people food, to give people shelter. And if I can add a very shameless plug, uh, BMO and our leaders, uh, Eric Smith, our vice chairman, Daryl Hackett, Mary Kenny, Kimberly Good, they all stepped up as well. And uh, thank you. I hope some of them are here. And I hope you hear that. The mayor, the, mayor, the mayor had our back during COVID, and I said to many, and we should have hers. I've also seen the mayor up close with business people. And what I hear more than anything is, wow, she's different in a smaller group. <laughs> and she is. She's, she can get into things that she can't get into with everybody. I've seen her in Mexico. I've seen her in Mexico dealing with some of the wealthiest families that control a huge amount of wealth in Mexico as she is plugging our city. And I'm telling you, she is a tireless, tireless supporter of our city and our business and commerce in bringing it back to Chicago. And it has come. I saw these very wealthy Mexican families kind of, they were eating out of her hands and uh, little, buying everything you said. And that was even before the tequila started. So. Uh, <laughs> Under, under the mayor's leadership and the, the great work she's done, uh, and I see Jenny is here. Thank you, Ms. CFO. Thank you for giving us the first upgrade in 13 years in the city. And I, I, think, I think my bank echoed that confidence when we uh, put up our tower on the West Loop. Now, we are not the biggest bank in the world. We're not the largest bank in the world, but we are. Don't, don't trouble me on this Northern Trust. <laughs> we are the largest bank. We are the largest bank in the world that has chosen Chicago as its U.S. headquarters. And trust me, and trust me, and trust me, I'm not telling you anything you guys don't already know. There, was, there were a lot of places that would have loved to have all of our thousands of employees move out of the city. Every, a lot of states and a lot of cities nearby. Uh, but the choice was easy. The choice was simple. You go with a winner and you stay with a winner. Um, speaking of that, it does, I must say, and this is, this is my pet peeve, it, it really drives me crazy when I hear some of the things that are said about Chicago by people that frankly should know better. Um, you know, we all have families. I don't know about yours. Mine's not perfect. We have companies. I don't know about yours. Mine's not perfect. But when I'm in public, I don't talk about the things that aren't great because there's a lot more things that are great than aren't. And uh, if you can't be a cheerleader for our city, I'm not sure, sure why, but certainly don't be a naysayer. It's, it's uh, actually not helpful. So, uh, okay. So uh, let, me, let me close. And uh, our lawyers would say that uh, 
the opinions expressed here are not representative. <laughs> you know how it goes. My, my final thoughts are really more of an observation, and not an observation as, uh, you know, uh, a business leader. I don't, exp- I don't speak for the business community, but I'm a proud member of it. And uh, from my uh, lofty perch at BMO, I don't speak for BMO here, but uh, I think, you know, this is, uh, this is what I call silly season in Chicago. It's, almost, it's like cicadas, except it doesn't come every 17 years. It comes every four years. Um, and we are in right, right in the middle of it as we speak. Um, there are a lot of shiny objects that are orbiting around City Hall ready for a crash landing on the fourth floor. Um, and that's okay. I, I actually uh, have huge respect for anybody that wants to step up and be mayor of Chicago. And whoever is the next mayor of Chicago, we will support because that's the right thing to do. But I do want to say one thing about shiny objects. And we say this at our bank, that's the shiny object syndrome. When things aren't going perfect, grab for that shiny object. You know, it's going to be better. It's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. Um, When you touch these shiny objects, sometimes the paint still sticks to your hands because the shiny object has been painted over before. Or um, you find that that shiny object actually isn't quite as shiny as it looks. And uh, let me just say, and I'm I'm kind of old-fashioned on this, sometimes... Uh, shiny objects wear out, and uh, I'm kind of more of a sure thing. Go with the winner. And uh, so let me close by my favorite, my favorite poem in the world. Starts with Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, uh, and you can still stand up and you can stick to your North Star and do what's right for Chicago, even when others don't agree and still keep fighting. That's what I think we should be looking for. I uh, am delighted to introduce your mayor, our mayor, my mayor, Chicago's mayor, Lori Lightfoot. Thank you, Dave Casper. And I just want to say how incredible he is and his team and always being there when we need. You're going to hear me talk in a moment about Invest Southwest. The first $10 million from the private sector came from BMO. <clears throat> and he's never looked back. And thank you all. Um, so many of you that I know, um, those who I don't, um, thank you for betting on Chicago. Because fundamentally, that's what this has to be about. It's not about me. It's not about the silly season in Davis, right? Maybe stupid season at this point. <clears throat> but it's about betting on our city, betting on our present, but betting on our future. So I'm here to tell you about Chicago's financial turnaround over the last four years, um, but really, it's the great story that we have to tell is how we have done it and done it better than any other city in the country. 
fundamental. <clears throat> so here's a headline, folks. Hard work pays off. When we apply fiscal discipline, invest in ourselves and our people and our places, and we put ourselves on stable financial footing, that's when the magic happens. Because we can afford to make those investments that are necessary to uplift our young people, solve the social ills that have plagued us for way too long, and keep our economy going. But it starts with getting our fiscal house in order. And I'm here today to tell you that's exactly what we have done. Next slide, please. I want to uh, discuss our city finances because when we do the work that's necessary, we can do, and it has a ripple effect to the benefit of Chicagoans of all stripes across all neighborhoods. So how do we get this turnaround going? The city's financial turnaround has been part of a deliberate financial plan designed by my administration, by Jenny Bennett, our CFO, Susie Park, our budget director, and Reshma Sony, our uh, controller, and many other people who have focused like a laser beam. We walked into office and were faced with what was then the largest fiscal deficit in the city's history, $838 million dollars. And a cupboard was bare when we walked in on solutions to solve it that weren't going to put more pain and pressure on the back of Chicagoans. So what we have done over these last four years is clear deferred liabilities, in particular our pensions, and I'll talk more about that, debt and capital, and fixing the mistakes, the legacy problems that we inherited that we said we got to do this in a different way. Ladies and gentlemen, we've achieved structural balance through balanced budgets and creating transparency in our budgeting process. We've created new financial value, and I'll talk about two of those, or three of those, the casino, the Joliet water deal, and by internal efficiencies, structural solutions, not one-timers, not scoop and toss. We've done it the right way, the fiscally prudent way, the right way for you and every single taxpayer and resident in the city. And because we've done those things, we've been able to make historic transformative investments, $8 billion worth of investments. Yeah, we've faced a lot of challenges and a lot of headwinds. It would have been easy for us to take the easy ramp and not take on these big historic challenges, but we felt like this was exactly the moment that we should be righting fiscal wrongs, that we should be stitching back together the social safety net and taking on the big challenges that people said, you can't do it. We believe in ourselves, but importantly, we believe in Chicago, and we are proving it. We paid down our debt uh, for pensions by $1.3 billion over the last four years. <clears throat> this is important for a lot of reasons, but let me just put it to you in pure numbers terms. There are over 100,000 city workers that are either active retirees or beneficiaries that depend on the city's pensions. And I believe that pensions are a promise. 
And we have to step up and make sure we do the right thing. So our firefighters, so our police, for our trades, and all the other city workers that came to work, made the sacrifices, their expectation is that their pensions will be there for them. And we have done absolutely everything that we can to make sure that our promise is kept to them. So in 2021, for the first time in 15 years, the city's pension funded ratios increased across all of our pension funds. And last year, for the first time in the city's history, the city's budgeted and actuarially calculated contributions on all pension funds. So we're paying what we should be paying, not the bare minimum. And speaking about bare minimum, because of the strength of our economy, we exceeded financial revenue projections for 21 and again in 22, and that allowed us for the first time to prepay the city's pension debt by a quarter of a billion dollars. We have changed city policy to actually now make it the policy of our city so our pension funds don't have to, in a down market, go into the market and sell off assets just to meet their monthly obligations. This is a big deal for our pensions, for our pensioners, and for our future employees and current employees who want those pensions, the four of them, to be rock solid. Next slide. Not only do we end scoop and toss debt restructurings, but as of this fiscal year that we're in right now, the city budgets for and started down paying principal by 300 to 400 million a year. And since the start of my term, ladies and gentlemen, we've reduced funded debt by $747 million or nearly three quarters of a billion. These actions have allowed us to make the historic investments in our people and places without increasing our debt burden and cleared our deferred maintenance needs through the Chicago Works Plan, which I'll talk about. This kind of financial stability and discipline have paid for our financial, our historic investments. Next stride. And how do we do add new value? Well, we started by tackling our legacy financial challenges through a casino. I'm looking out in this room, and I know many of you work for city government back in the day when Mayor Richard M. Daley made the case year after year to get a Chicago-based casino only to be turned away by folks in Springfield, some of whom left Chicago, crossed I-80, and forgot who they were. <laughs> But through, you know I'm telling the truth here. (laughs) But through the hard work of so many, the hard work of so many, we were able to make the case to the legislature to get it done for Chicago. We made that announcement at our friends at Carpenters Union Hall because this is not only going to give us dedicated revenue streams for our police and fire pension, we are going to generate 3,000 new construction jobs and another 3,000 ongoing jobs when the casino is up and running. This is another big deal for the city of Chicago that is going to inure to the benefit of generations of Chicagoans for decades to come. The project will generate an expected 
2.7 billion of initial financial value to the city and 3.3 billion to the state of Illinois. And sorry to our Hoosier fans, but those cars that are lined up at the casinos and Hammond and Gary, we want that money back in Chicago. Next slide. And another way that we're creating value, something that doesn't get the kind of notice that it should. And again, I got to give credit where credit is due to our brilliant CFO, Jenny Bennett, because she was the architect of this. We are expanding our most precious asset, which is water from Lake Michigan. We supply 40% of the state with our water. 2.7 million people in Chicago and 2.5 million in the surrounding communities. And as a result of my commitment to regional collaboration, we've secured a new preliminary, or sorry, new water supply agreement with the city of Joliet. That's gonna open up possibilities, not just for Joliet, but all of those surrounding communities that are pressed because their water resources are starting to shrink and they desperately needed another source. And we fought hard to get this deal done. We got this deal done. This agreement will generate about a billion dollars in additional value for the city. Uh, We will serve over 300,000 people in Joliet and the surrounding communities. And it has spurred our support from other uh, suburban customers that is going to make a huge difference in the city of Chicago for years to come. No, we will never sell our water asset, but we will monetize it in a way to the benefit of this city. And the Joliet deal is a big, big milestone for us. So thank you, Jenny. Thank you to your team once again. Next slide, please. So I told you we started with $838 million. And then the next year, because of COVID, is $1.2 billion, the largest in our city's history. But I'm also pleased to tell you that last year, when we were looking at the fiscal budget for this year, we experienced one of the lowest budget gaps in the city's history at $128 million dollars a pretty remarkable turnaround in a short amount of time. How did we get there? We got there because over the last four budgets, instead of going to the taxpayers, the easy fix, and saying, paying us more in property taxes and other fines and fees, we looked internally first. And over these four budgets, we've generated $1.2 billion and structural savings, meaning not one-timers, but things that will carry on through successive budgets. We look inward first every single time before we reflexively went to the public and said, pay us more. This has resulted in the study's budget being in a place where we expect revenue recovery from COVID is expected to match our expense growth or structural balance. And similar to other governmental entities, the city has realized surpluses in previous years, which will not only mean that we can address our out-year gaps, but also allow us to voluntarily continue to pay off the pension credit card through the new pension uh, payment advance policy. Some of the other efficiencies. Remember the days when nobody knew and could see anything into our workers' compensation program? that it was run by a powerful alderman through a, through a city council committee and not through the executive branch as it should have been? Well, guess what, folks? Because we took back that power, 
to run our workers' compensation program in June of 2019, we increased the settlement of age non-litigated claims by 47%, reduced the number of employees uh, who are off work by 19%, reduced the cost of claims by another 19%. Now, again, these aren't things that are going to regard our headlines, but let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we brought more people back to work, we settled claims, and we saved money for taxpayers because we did the right thing with our workers' compensation policy, and we're never going back to the old days. Our team also renegotiated health care contracts um, to the point of $28 million in savings. And many of you know I'm an old procurement geek, so I'm super proud of the fact that we have done uh, procurement reform, got ridden of old contracts dating back to the 1990s that were supposed to be five years with a couple of one-year extensions, but became, in essence, sole source contracts because we never went into the marketplace and competitively bid them. And my team knows, I'm a broken record on this, if you don't need it, cancel it. If you need it, rebid it. Open up those opportunities to others now so we get the benefit of this market and our buying power and not just keep feeding money to people that we contracted with in the 1990s. We're getting it done for you folks. Next slide, please. I told you the headline was hard work pays off. We have received validation of our hard work by the rating agencies, ladies and gentlemen. Let me brag a little bit about that. In October of last year, Fitch upgraded the city's general obligation credit to triple B for the first time in nearly a quarter of century because of the hard work that we've done in building relationships with the rating agencies, because of the transparent way in which we've given them multiple years of financial projections, not just one, and because we actually got the hard work done. Moody's, for the first time in 12 years, um, graded us from junk to um, to uh, investment grade. And the bottom line here is that we have 10 different upgrades, three positive outlooks. And what does that mean? That means that when we go in the marketplace to borrow, as every major city does, we're going to have the best interest rates possible and not escalated pension rates that mean that we have to pay more for the money, which means it's a mother burden on the taxpayers. Again, a way in which we are saving money. And I'm going to tell you, not only do we get the validation from the rating agencies, we most recently executed um, two bond deals in December and again last week. In both transactions, the city saw bond investors that invest only in high-grade credits come and buy our bonds for the first time in years. We're getting marketplace validation as well. That's a big deal. Next slide. I want to talk to you a little bit about the investments that we're able to be able to make because we've gotten our fiscal house in order. As I said, financial stability has allowed us to launch and fund historic investments in size and scope and collectivity, $8 billion for the future of Chicago. Next slide, please. Let me talk to you about our Chicago Works program. Now, look, we've done historically in the city lots of infrastructure work for years and years. But what we haven't had in a long time is an infrastructure plan that 
gives us multiple years to get done what needs to get done, importantly, the funding to be able to do it. Long before the bipartisan infrastructure plan, and God bless Biden and both chambers of Congress, we couldn't wait. We did it ourselves. And because of the city council's confidence in our ability and understanding the need that we needed to get done, we launched the Chicago Works Program several years back. And what does this mean? It's a five-year, $4.5 billion capital plan, and we are expected to significantly catch up on the deferred maintenance. And what that means in practical terms, fixing potholes, um, getting curb cuts, making streets safer for pedestrians, fixing traffic signals and bridges, fixing up our police stations, and building up the lakefront shoreline so we don't crumble into Lake Michigan. Instead of kicking the can down the road, ladies and gentlemen, we have paved the road, pun intended, for, and made it safer for Chicagoans. Our Chicago recovery plan, $1.2 billion, one of the most progressive investment plans in the city's history. We've created thousands of jobs, $29.5 billion of incremental revenues through stimulating an equitable, again, equitable emphasis on economic recovery. Historic investments in the social safety net to address the root causes of violence, including homelessness, mental health support, anti-violence, investing in our youth, and more. And I've got to say thank you again to my wonderful wife, the first lady of the city, because she is our North Star when it comes to making sure that our young people and our children have a right to the opportunities that they need to be successful and set them up for success. And we are following the vision of my wife and so many others here who are doing the Lord's work to support our young people and their families so that they can fulfill their God-given talents. And those investments are meaningful. Invest Southwest. Now, I could just do a whole speech on that alone, but let me just say succinctly, $2.2 billion, almost evenly divided between the public sector and the private sector and the philanthropy. We are building wealth in black and brown communities that have been disinvested in for far too long. And folks, if you don't know it, you know it now. If we all rise together, we all rise together. But if we don't, we all fall together. Neglect is not cost-free. We have been paying for it. Let's pay for it in a way that actually adds value into these communities. Ten communities, 12 commercial corridors, and we are just getting started. I'm very proud of that work. We've also invested in a green recovery agenda. We have made the largest investment in environmental uh, wealth and well-being in the city's history, $188 million. Let me tell you a little bit more about some of the things that we've done, because I think it's worth drilling down in some of these um, these anecdotes. Vacant lots. I look across this, this room. I see aldermen. I see community leaders. We have too many vacant lots in the city, and they are a scourge of the neighborhoods that are plagued by them. The city alone has 10,000 vacant lots. Shouldn't we do something productive with those lots? Shouldn't we clean them up? Shouldn't we turn them over to the community to build green space, to build affordable housing, to build businesses? Yes, we should. And guess what? We are. 
We just announced a plan in December, I'm sorry, November, where we are selling 2,000 vacant lots to bring these lots back to productive use. And why is that important as well? Because studies have shown that when you clean up vacant lots, when you turn them into something productive, the violence in neighborhoods gets reduced exponentially. So we build wealth and we reduce violence at the same time. Sign me up. That's what we ought to be doing. Direct small business support. We have a lot of great Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies, but the backbone of our economy is our small businesses in our neighborhoods who employ people from the neighborhoods, who help that wealth get recirculated in our neighborhoods. That's why at the height of the pandemic, we put together a revolving loan program for small businesses, $100 million that continues to inure to, to the benefit of those small businesses. We served over 1,700 of those small businesses, saved 9,000 jobs, and saved 350 businesses from closing. No other city did what we did. New York and L.A., didn't come close to us combined in the amount of money that we put into our small businesses to help them survive the pandemic. We tripled the small business lending to CDFIs in the city. And I have to thank um, allies um, whose leader is here with us. Thank you so much for everything that you've done to help us and being a partner with us in making sure that we're reaching community leaders. The city also created a $26 million grant fund to small businesses to help them weather the storm. And then our business and philanthropy community, Together We Now Fund, uh, Together Now Fund, hospitality grants, micro-business recovery grants, performance venue grant, $26 million to make sure that our small businesses of every type were able to survive and thrive. So, Brad, thank you for everything that you and allies have done to our community. There are so many examples. I won't share them with you now, but small businesses across the city are not only um, survive, they are thriving because we partnered with them to make them grow. Next slide, please. I mentioned Chicago Works, $4.5 billion the largest in the city's history. This will address the maximum amount of our deferred needs. It includes street resurfacing, 502 million, bridges and viaducts, 436 million, IT fleet and equipment um, investments of four, four, 440 million. We're putting folks to work. We're modernizing um, our fleet. We're uh, tapping into the opportunities in the green economy. And the complete streets program alone, which is $409 million, means that we are not only making pedestrian life safer, we are um, putting in bike lanes, pedestrian safety improvement, trees, pavement markings. We know that this is important, not only because this is what we do in Chicago, we are infrastructure, but we know that it builds healthy, strong communities. Our residents all over have told us that this is what they want, and this is what we're doing in response to that. Next slide, please. 
Chicago Works will also improve municipal facilities and upgrade our city's IT system and vehicles, making it easier for residents to access city services and for our city workers, including first responders, to answer their needs. I'm happy to say that in the budget that was passed by City Council last year for this year, we're also making new investments in law enforcement, notably um, our police department. Two new helicopters to replace an antiquated fleet where we spend more money keeping them uh, the maintenance than having them up in the air to help us with carjackings and other public safety needs. New police vehicles, upgrades to police facilities. I worked um, at the police department back in the early 2000s when we built all these new police stations. But guess what? We need to upgrade them. Our men and women who sacrifice for us every single day, they deserve the best in class facilities, not to walk into places where the paint is crumbling, where the bathrooms don't work. There's running water um, uh, coming down uh, from the ceiling. We have to do better for them because they are doing better for us. And these investments are critical. <laughs> Next slide, please. The $1.2 billion in investments creates an equity-based investment strategy and supports our sustainable recovery. I've talked to you uh, about some of them, vacant lots. But in the environmental investments, we $188 million. Two features that I want to highlight. By 2030, ladies and gentlemen, this city government will be fueled by 70% by renewable energy from a solar plant that's being built downstate. We will be their biggest company customer along with Allstate and others, 70%. And the other 30%, we will go into the marketplace to buy renewable energy credits and sources. Big deal. And, of course, one of the things that's most important to me as somebody who cares about trees we are all well on our way to planting over 75,000 new trees in across our city. Why is that important? It's important because the aesthetics means a lot to mental health. It's important because it will help with our urban tree canopy, canopy and replace the ones that are dying and help us bring down CO2. We also know through data and studies that when young people and families see greenery, and green spaces, guess what also happens? It reduces violence. There's a method here. I hope you're catching the theme. We've also made the largest investment in a city's history in violence prevention uh, programs. When I started, we were putting in about $2 million. Now, as of this year's budget, $85 million a year to fund street intervention, street outreach, and other non-law enforcement interventions to make our communities safe. We started the first ever 911 co-responder pilot, meaning the police don't need to respond to every single call for service. We have two pilots that we will scare, scale up that will deal with mental health and substance abuse calls for service. We've got this team, these teams that are working so well, helping so many people. And that is part of using our soft power to make sure that we address violence in neighborhoods. We launched the city's first guaranteed basic income pilot, 31 million, 5,000 families, $500 a month. And I promise you, these families will be better off because of they having gone through this program. I'm getting the hook, so let me go to the next slide. <laughs> 
If you could, slip, slip to, uh, skip to slide 14. <clears throat> Let me talk to you a little bit about our economy. I mentioned that we've come booming back. But to put it in context, our economy is one of the strongest in the country. Nearly 800 billion GDP, which is bigger than Sweden, Thailand, or Argentina. And as this slide shows, as a premier city for business education and tourism, we are, have all the things that businesses need to come to invest, to support their employees, and to thrive in a city like Chicago. Let's go to the next slide. I've mentioned over and over again, because it's one of our great strengths, we have the most diverse economy in the country. It's a center where our businesses, transportation logistics, food and agriculture, the tech sector of all stripes, and manufacturing are the strengths of our community. Not one industry dominates, and it makes a difference. And in 2021, and again in 22, we saw a, a record number of investments uh, in our city, growth investment, $10 billion each year, over $20 million in the two-year. So for those people out there, nobody wants to come to Chicago. Nobody wants to invest. Well, the proof is in the pudding. Data don't lie. People want to come here because it's a great city for business to live and invest. And, yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> Next slide. Let me just spend a moment on this one. People say, well, you know, such and such company left. Such and such company left. What does that say? Um, people are fleeing Chicago. Oh, no, that's actually not true. In 2021 and 2022, we had a combined 173 companies make um, pro-Chicago decisions in 21. Another 180 make pro-Chicago decisions. This means companies are coming from elsewhere that could be anywhere in the world, but they're coming here to Chicago. And the ones that are here are expanding. And for you folks in the trains, building permits are up through the roof. And we have cranes all over the city showing that people are committed and investing in the city of Chicago. Next slide. Let's skip and go to 18. I'm winding down, I promise you. <laughs> Something, again, that the financial geeks will appreciate that's important. Our reserves have grown um, by $1.3 billion, even in this difficult time. There were cities across the country, I won't name them like New York and other ones, <laughs> that to, to respond to the challenges that we all face, they cut the reserves to the bone. And the result was a downgrade in rating agencies. And there were some, Chairman Wagesback, who called for us to do the same, Madam Treasurer, we resisted those calls. We didn't cut our reserves. We did the fiscally prudent thing every single time. Our reserves have grown, and that is another reason why the rating agencies are validating our fiscal management of the city. Next slide. I'm also obviously very proud of the work that we have done. It speaks for itself. We've done great work. We're healing our city. We're building wealth and neighborhoods that desperately needed it. Final slide, please. The bottom line is good economic policy is good social policy. You can't do one 
without the other. You got to do both hands. And what we have done is shown that we have been prudent fiscal, um, prudent managers of your hard-earned tax dollars. We've made the right choices. We've made the tough calls. We've gotten the city back on a proper financial footing, and we were building a Chicago where everybody has the opportunity to participate in the wealth of this great city. I'm very proud of the work. I'm just going to ask the mayor's office teams, um, our cabinet folks, please stand. I get to stand at the head of the line, but I know the people beside me and behind me are doing a great work. You should be extremely pleased and proud because this team lays their life on the line literally every single day. They go the full measure of themselves to make sure that we are moving forward every single day. Thank you very much. God bless you. lightning speed. We're trying to do something different with the mic. Didn't work. We're just going to keep moving. Thank you, Mayor. I know some people got to go. I'm going to try to do this really, really quickly. Um, we have a few questions and um, Mayor Lightfoot once told me to lead from the front and um, that struck me. I think that we have seen um, her lead from the front. So she walks the walk of the talk that she talks and um, you got some dynamite staff. They're pretty good, right? Yeah. And uh, someone asked me, are they staying on? Uh, we're, we're, we're here to the finish line, running through the tape. Four more years, baby. <laughs> Another question. Elizabeth Coolidge um, is here from UBS. I may not call names because I've really got to run. I, we're running really short. Um, were you able to achieve a pricing differential on your most ESG bond, on your most recent ESG bond deal? Jenny Bennett would love to answer that question, but yeah, yes, the, the answer is yes. We receive validation um, from ESG investors really all over the country. They're excited about the social bond um, that is going to fund a number of important things across our city, including, including healthcare centers in areas that need them most. So we're very excited about the response from the marketplace. Rebecca, I'm going to butcher your last name. Youth Guidance. Okay, I know you're here, but... She's back there in the corner. Yes. <laughs> kind of a lot of people in here today. Um, how you prioritize investments in incentivizing culturally responsive mental health workforces. There was a shortage of, of clinicians before the pandemic, mm -hmm. and now we've got even more. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, it, it's no secret that there's a shortage of virtually every kind of social services worker, um, from teachers to counselors uh, to clinicians. Um, but I think what we've been able to do is, uh, through the pandemic, make sure that we provide support uh, to those community-based um, practitioners um, and help them uh, 
uh, help them themselves and their employees. And I'm happy to say, I mean, I didn't talk that much about it, but this is, I think, one of the signature things that we've accomplished. You know, people said, Mayor, reopen the, the clinics. Why don't you do that? Well, here's the reality. At the height of the clinics, we were serving about 2,500 people, and usually people with the most severe diagnoses. And we didn't serve kids, and we didn't serve adolescents. Through the program that we announced um, in the fall of 2019, and to continue the commitment, seven sevenfold increase in the amount of resources for mental health services, we ended last year serving over 60,000 people, and we now have free mental health services in every one of our 77 neighborhoods. Thanks, that's a big deal. Okay, so someone wanted to know if we're prepared for um, anything that might happen with, yeah. with Memphis. I'm, I'm going to answer that for you and say, yeah, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Did I just answer a question for the mayor? <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, further to that, Thomas McElroy has a really good question, and um, it centers around the new public safety training uh, facility, which you just talked about this morning, which was great. Um, and not just in light of what's going on there in Memphis, but would other communities think about coming to Chicago for training? And if so, what are some of the economic opportunities? You like that question, Zoe? Good. Um, what are some of the economic opportunities? For example, would you be open to building a hotel and other things around there so that uh, other uh, uh Law enforcement and yeah. okay. So, <clears throat> the initial budget for the public safety training academy uh, was eighty-five million. Um, I knew that wasn't enough, so we sat down at the table again with the police, with fire, uh, and others, and we um, decided that we needed to expand the footprint. We needed to expand the scenarios-based training because that's really the wave of the future for both police and fire. We just cut the ribbon in opening that public safety uh, training academy on the west side in Ward 37. Immense is still, I think, floating on a cloud somewhere. Um, in the budget, oh, it's $170 million and more to come. This is going to revolutionize the way that our recruits learn. It's going to re revolutionize the way that our veteran officers uh, get retrained. And, um, yes, we want this to be the best in the nation, certainly the best in the Midwest, and monetize it and invite other municipal, county, state, and federal partners to come and get training at our facility so it pays for itself. And one important thing that I want to make sure you know, we also – because of the generosity of Boys and Girls Club's donors, right next to, literally about 20 feet away, is going to be a Boys and Girls Club for that community so that our young people are going to get to see our men and women in fire and police as who they are, real human beings, in non-emergency law enforcement uh, circumstances, and importantly, that our law enforcement first responders can see those children for who they are. This is going to be tremendous. Young people cannot be what they cannot see. So that's huge. That's huge. Um, you guys heard the friendly bantering that was going on between Northern and Vimo, right? It really is friendly fire. You know. But you guys have the largest headquarters in Chicago? Did you say global? U.S. headquarters. Hmm. Dave? I'm just saying we've been here. 100. I, 
you know. I, I'm going to stand back. Mary Kenny. <laughs> so. I want to be out of range. See, that's smart, right? Because she loves both of our organizations. Mary said when she saw that Northern had a table, they had to buy two. So, you know. We, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Um, seriously, thank you to all of the financial institutions that are here. I know we're moving quickly. I'm going to ask Pastor Chris Harris to slip up here real quick. Because he's not an elected official or anything, so he can do this. So here's the deal. Thank you. So here's the deal. It's a $200 gift certificate. I said it wrong the other day to Chicago Cut. Now, you know, normally I say they need to take me to lunch, right? (laughs) But I'm not going to say that. Um, Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, Is, oh, I'm probably going to. Ash Luthera of LSL Healthcare, are you here? Oh, there he is right here. Oh, okay. Because here's the deal. If you weren't here, you were getting the card put back in. Um, please see Amanda. She will make sure that you get your uh, uh, gift certificate for lunch. Mayor, you know that um, that's from Chicago Cut. So why is that funny? I think Chicago <laughs> Cut's a great place to go. Mayor, I don't know how many of these you have. I will hang it proud. Do you, do you hang them all up? Yeah. Yes, I do. Everyone. You saw that quick response? Yeah, I do. Um, thank you. So if you're wondering, I know I look like I'm standing a little weird. I don't mean messing up your shot. Thank you all so much for being here. This has been a wonderful conversation. Mayor, I know that you could have talked for another half an hour about all the things that are going on in the city. We always appreciate you being here. Okay. Let me also just say, ladies and gentlemen, this, this institution is, I think, really important uh, and essential to our civic dialogue. You know this from the number of people that come here um, at all levels of government, from the private sector, from philanthropy. This is a very important venue for us. Gone through a little difficulty, but now, like the phoenix, rising again. (laughs) And I just want to commend Dan Gibbons, um, and I want to commend the board. As Rachel Maddow would say, watch this space, because Dan and the board have some great ideas about how they can take the voice and the venue of the city club to other important places in our city, and we stand ready to support you in any way. So congratulations, Dan. Congratulations to the board. I'm going to ask Dan and the board to get up here for a quick picture. The mayor's going to gaggle. Thank you so much for everyone being here. We are adjourned.